I'm Ben Easter, and you're listening to the Shift to Freedom podcast, the podcast that gives you the mindsets, strategies, tips, and tricks to live your freedom and love your life. If you're here, I suspect that you have a total badass inside you, but chances are that you haven't let it play full out yet. Maybe you've been told not to, that it's too much. Maybe you've been worried about what other people will think, or maybe you just haven't made the space to shine. If any of that sounds familiar, you've come to the right place. Each week, my co-hosts and I will be exposing the lies that keep that badass chained and, more importantly, sharing the tools to help you break free and share that most authentic you with the world. So, if you want more freedom, possibility, or courage, then I'd invite you to take a deep breath, get curious, and listen carefully for your shift to freedom. Welcome back to the Shift to Freedom podcast. I'm Ben Easter. I'm here with Clayton Olson. Today we are talking about, I mean, well, shit, we're, we're talking about everything today. This is the, this is the, the end all be all of all human existence is how do we make better decisions, whatever. Like it's a big topic. But, uh, so Clayton, what, what are we talking about today? Yeah, we're going to be our, doing our best to distinguish between when is it your intuition that's speaking to you versus when is it insecurity and fear? And uh, I think this is a really important question. I would say that perhaps in almost every single coaching relationship that I enter into, this is something that is humming in the background. It's about helping people plug into that inner knowing, find that more resourceful place within their own internal map where they have the answers to be able to guide their life. And I think it can be a circuitous journey to get there of a place where you are trusting yourself and being able to be guided by your intuition. And oftentimes I think that insecurity can pose as intuition. And so I think that it can be really elusive. And um, the more that we can get better at dancing with these distinctions and, and coming back to that place of allowing intuition to guide our life, I think that might be the holy grail of, of taking action and being able to move forward in an aligned way. I love What's your thoughts on it? Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. I think like, cause what we're essentially talking about is like learning to like, learning to know ourselves and then trust that we're moving from that place. That is like, you know, you, you said it beautifully earlier, the, this, like this higher self is guiding us rather than like that sort of lower, like fear or insecurity based version of us. That's just like that, you know, the amygdala, the part of the brain that's like, always on the lookout for fear and risk. And it's like, how are we guiding ourselves from something higher than that thing that's just trying to avoid downsides, risks, et cetera, like protect us. You know, it's that, that's the, the high, you know, the highest and best version of it, I think is it's trying to protect us from things, but you know, it just doesn't, it doesn't get us what we really want, I think at the end of the day. So, so like learning to listen, learning to like, I, I think there are tools that we can tap into, but you know, on the, on the other side of it, I think, some of it is like kind of like what we talked about in our previous podcast is even like being okay with the the downsides, you know, the uh, face actually facing the risks and and being that kind of hero or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just want to underscore something that you said that is uh, uh, really important here, which I think will be a theme in this is you said learning to listen. That this is truly about learning to listen to ourselves and have a deeper understanding of when it is that amygdala part of us speaking, maybe our ego, our smaller self, the limiting self versus the expansive, 
version of us that maybe is you know, that recognizes that we're whole and complete and resourceful and um, is willing to lean into risk. Maybe might a good spot to start could be how do you see this stuff come up in your coaching? Like with the work that you do with people, does this seem like a central theme with some of the stuff that you coach around with decision-making and, and how does it present itself if it's like insecurity or, or in, intuition? It really comes back to decision-making and like, oh, how do I, you know, which decision do I make here? And, you know, like people getting kind of like the image that I have in my mind is like people like standing on the edge of the diving board and like, you know, getting ready to like jump into something major, you know, you know, a business change or a business for the first in its first place relationship. It's the same way. It's like, there's like a, a risk that we're taking when we're, when we're making these kinds of big life decisions. And uh, you know, what can happen is from that place, standing on the diving board, you start thinking about all of the ways that things could go wrong, or you start thinking about like, you know, all of the other things that you could be doing with your time or whatever. And it's like, you, you start to like get, I, I think insecure is a great word because it's like, you're not quite certain which path to take. And it can be like, you might have like a really good feeling about something, but then also the fear exists at the same time. And so like you start to analyze and try to like understand and see if you can outline and determine all the risks before you jump. And so I see this a lot in, I mean, not just in the business context, but just in life context in general is like, whenever you're going to make a big decision, because we don't care, like if it's a small decision, you know, people don't get as hung up on it because they don't care as much. You're like, which toilet paper am I going to use? You don't like, you're not going to think about it, you know, <laughs> that deeply. But when it's something that could have long standing ramifications in your life or, you know, or, or especially that you'll make meaning about yourself around, right? Like a relationship or a business or a career or whatever decision, it becomes a little bit more nerve wracking for some people. And that's where it comes up like, oh, what's the, you know, the, the question that I hear is like, what's the right decision here? Yeah. Right. It manifests that. Yeah. What's the right decision? Yeah, totally. Yeah, that's great. And I, you know, as you're speaking, I'm noting in, in my world with a lot of the relationship work that I do with people. God, there's so much where maybe somebody has been burned a few times in the types of men or women that they've been dating and getting into relationship with. And then suddenly they've got these like red flags or like alarm bells that start going off. And it becomes really difficult for them to determine, you know, are they seeing things clearly or is there some type of confirmation bias occurring where they're seeing the person in front of them through a filter of all of their unhealed pain from the past. And they're just predicting their, their animal brain is just predicting that, oh, this is going to happen again. And it seems like this really strong feeling like I need to either, you know, I need to get out of this relationship or maybe I need to dive into it. And there's like an urgency behind it because they don't want to lose it. And, you know, it's like, what is your intuition saying in that case? And I think it can be really muddy sometimes because, you know, my intuition is telling me to run. I feel like I should run right now, but it's like, is that actually your intuition? Or is that again, like some type of unhealed wound that is having you project into a story from the past again, because you don't want to get hurt. Um, so really pulling that apart is, uh, is something. Yeah. Because it's not like the intuition writes you an email, you know what I mean? And it's signed your intuition. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's never that. I it's not that clear. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wouldn't that be nice? You know, so we, so it is, we are like parsing those fear stories, you know, and, and the stories from the amygdala versus the, the other thing. So I get curious, like, how do you think about, let's just ask the question point blank. How do you think, you know, whether something is coming from your higher self or 
coming from your lower self, ego, insecurity. Yeah, great. So subjectively, and just from my own experience and exploration in this area, they, they seem to have, and I'm going to bring like a neuro-linguistic programming lens to this. They, they seem to come from different locations locally around my body. So when my intuition is speaking, oftentimes it, it's not in my head personally. It's almost as if the source of it is coming from uh, some kind of deeper sense of self, like on the uh, on the inside, maybe somewhere around my heart and my belly. Yeah, yeah, you're pointing there. at your chest and your heart. And yeah, I was just thinking the yeah. same thing. That's what I get. This like almost like a pull. Yes. Yeah. Right. So like the sensation is different, the location is different, the feeling is a little bit different, and I'll and I'll talk about that with with fear for a moment. When it, it's like an insecurity is present, I, it does. There's a different movement of energy inside of my mind. It's almost like there's possibly like a racetrack, like a loop that starts to occur, like, and it's localized above my neck inside of my mind. Um, I tend to ruminate on something. There is a contraction. There is a fear there's, and it's also coupled typically by like an urgency. Like I need to do something immediately to get out of this. It's almost like an escape energy and a contraction versus the intuition feels more like kind of a calm, slow expansion. So that would be the kind of initial way that I can start to tell a difference, or let's just say it's a data point that I get curious about. And then there's another piece here where like, you know, regardless of how I feel, oftentimes my intuition over time will continue to say the same message to me. Yeah, I love that. Right? Yeah, where the insecurity seems like it will change based on how I'm feeling. Like if I'm feeling good, I have a different opinion about it. If I'm feeling bad, it's like, and I'm unresourced, then it, you know, I'm, I'm triggered and, and, I and I feel bipolar. I'm going in a completely different direction, right? So I, I, I kind of track the consistency and, and immediately, usually if there's like this urgency where I start to slip in this fight or flight, it's almost never my intuition. You know, because what is actually urgent, you know, unless I have a bus barreling down the street at me. Right. Which is fear. That'll be a fear response, right? When you've got a bus barreling down the street at you, right? Like things that are keeping you out of danger. That's not your higher self. That's, that's gonna, that's acting. That is your, your body, your physical mechanism of keeping you alive that is operating. So it's got that urgency feeling, right? Yeah. Yeah. How about you? I'm curious about any of that illuminated anything in your own process or if there's what other things come up for you around that same question how do you make the distinction between when it's your higher self talking versus some type of insecurity yeah i love it and but before i i answer that question you said something that i just like i it's so beautiful i want to like underscore it and highlight it when you're unresourced or you're feeling unresourced that i think is a really useful thing for everybody to just become aware of is like there are like the major things movement sleep food and if you are not taking care of your physical body with those things, then we can get messages that sound like they're like, quote unquote, intuitions or whatever, but we're just like not in touch with them. So um, being like resourcing yourself, it's like such an it's it seems so minor. You know, we live in a culture that like almost like applauds sleep deprivation or something like that. But like actually like your decision making processes, you're, you'll be more resourced and you'll make more aligned decisions if you're not in a place where you're under resourced. So I just like you said that and I just like wanted to highlight it and underscore it for people. 
it's just a double click on that too. Like oh, it's coming up for me is I, I know that when I'm under resource and I haven't had good sleep, the way that I look at my relationship, I'm like, I need to blow this up. Like, I'm just like, I want to blow up my relationship. Get me out of this. Same thing with my business too, right? Okay. I got to, I got to completely just like wipe everything off the desk and start over. And you know, that's, here's the thing. That's a basement, right? That's a very common basement that I go to, but that's not my intuition speaking, right? So I come back there, but I only go back there when I'm feeling unresourced, right? When I'm feeling like I'm being, getting put into contact with like some, you know, incompetence in me or a helplessness. It's like, that's my strategy for trying to gain some type of control. It's just like kill everything. And then that way I can return to some level of like power or control, which I don't want to listen to. That's not my higher self speaking. Where when I'm resourced, I have a very different relationship with relationship and with my work. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and I think that that even for me, a lot of times that is a clue like that, that burn it all down kind of energy, you know, like just blow it up, burn it down. That can be a clue where I'm like, is that, is that me? Is that like my higher self that's wanting to burn things down? You know what I mean? Like, um, that, that is very much cause that's, so that's one of my clues is like, I, I have like a toward energy or away from energy. And so when I'm, when I'm operating from like an away from energy, I'm feeling fear or I'm feeling, um, like I don't want something to happen. If that's like the object of my experience is that I don't want something to happen. A lot of times that's a clue that I'm not in my higher self or like my wisdom self. And on, on that note, I actually like, you know, <laughs> say what you will about those bracelets that existed in the nineties and two thousands, though, what would Jesus do bracelets? But there's something like really useful, I think about like, uh, about having a reminder to tap into like what higher consciousness is and just like ask you, ask for a second, like, what would love do in this situation? Or like, you know, like, what would Jesus do as an example? But like, just like, what would wisdom do in this situation? Like, what would love do? What would, you know, what would connection do in this situation? And just having that, like asking about those kind of principles or those values, for me, I think can be a really useful way to get a little bit more clarity. Something you said, actually, before we came online, I think, um, was just that this is like, this is like a lifelong journey. So I think it's really useful for us to like, there is no right or wrong answer for this, I don't think. And if somebody wants to argue with me, please do, because I'd love to learn what the right or wrong is. But I do think that this is a skill that we can cultivate, that what we're talking about of like honing and refining our ability to kind of listen and trust that voice inside that, you know, kind of has something high in mind for us, something beautiful in mind for us. All these things that we're talking about, I just like want to put a little caveat that we're, you know, we're talking about like we're pointing in a direction, but don't mistake our finger for the moon, so to speak. Mm, you know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah, I got yeah. something else to throw in the pot here too. Of um, great, let's make gumbo. Yeah, it's um, when I have uh, excessive self-referencing around a decision, it's often insecurity versus intuition. So self-referencing meaning that there's a way in which I'm concerned about what this means about me, how I'm going to look. Does this mean I'm weak? Does this mean that I'm going to fail? Uh, you know, does, or it's like, you know, is this going to bolster my ego? So people see me in a certain way. It's going to prove something to myself. If, if I'm almost like, that's what I'm using as like a, a reference point to determine what I should do. That's usually not intuition. My intuition, it's almost like I get out of the way. Like 
the identity of Clayton just kind of steps back for a moment. And there's just a clarity of thought where I'm in relationship with what's in front of me, but without kind of making it mean anything about me to just kind of see the whole picture. And it has a different feel to it. There's like a cleanness to it. There's a, there's a calm there to it. Um, oftentimes a certainty and there's a, there's a selflessness that's present. Mm, I really like that. Yeah. I, I think that's one of the clues you, you said it was kind of like in the sides of what you were just talking about, but one of the clues is this, like, what will other people think energy, you know, that that's not, that's not, I don't think that's going to be our higher self. That's going to come back when we ask a question like that, like, what will they think? Or, you know, what, you know, what are people going to think? Or what, what am I going to look like? Or, you know, all of that stuff where we're like external to ourselves, like looking in on ourselves and making decisions from some story. All it could ever be is a story about what other people are going to think about us. Cause we don't actually fucking know what anybody else ever thinks about us. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so anytime we're asking those kinds of questions, that's like, I think an opportunity for us to like raise a flag, pause, step back and tune in and tune into our values or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, if there's anything you wanted to add to that or add it, in terms of anything else that you use to distinguish between those, like, I'd love to hear it. And per- perhaps we start to move into, is there any kind of practices that we can give people that uh, maybe you use or I use? Cause you're, you start, you're starting to talk about like tuning in, you know, like what are some ways that we can start to actually practice getting more in touch with our intuition but that might be premature if there's anything else that you wanted to add. Yeah, let's just like, let's just flesh out a couple of things, uh, a couple more things. One is, first of all, there's a movie because this, um, where, where you were just talking about like this, like very self-focused eye language, all that stuff uh, versus like your higher self. That reminds me of this movie, which I think is a brilliant movie. It's called Revolver by, and it's a Guy Ritchie movie. Like he did Snatch and Lockstock. It's very different than those movies. It has gangsters in it, but it's not really a gangster movie. But it, I think that movie is like an exploration of the ego and how the ego kind of tricks us into uh into being and i'm going to tell a quick story and 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 kind of to kind of illustrate what the ego is there's so there's this early sect of christianity called the gnostics and they talk about um basically the their schema for the world is that there's like a there is a god but that god doesn't really have anything to do with this world and instead what we have is like a demiurge there's this like demon kind of thing that is in control of this world and uh and so like they their telling of the garden of eden is that you know adam and eve were the the serpent was actually an emissary from the big god the real god trying to like free us okay but the demiurge's job is to keep us in prison and that's like the lord that was walking around that said don't eat from the tree of knowledge don't eat from the tree of uh life oh wow what a what a flip right totally like totally a flip right so their their version is like that's the ego that's the demiurge that's the the one that's like trying to keep us trapped stuck here attached to this world right because the door is open the prison cell is open right all we got to do is walk out but that that dude's job is to keep us stuck here okay and so I love this kind of like this version of reality and I I associate that demiurge with the ego I think that that is like what the ego is it's it's like it's it's the part that's like keeping us attached to this physical reality and the stories that we're telling about this physical reality where liberation exists on the other side of this and that is like you know for the gnostics it was like Jesus and the serpent and all these other prophets they they're here as like emissaries from the big god to remind us that the door is open and that we could walk out if we wanted to, right? To help us remember that the world might be a beautiful place on the other side of it. And so, um, so what I think Revolver does is explores that concept really well. But I think that that is like a really beautiful distinction 
between like about like what the ego is, is it's like this, like, what are they going to think? Or you're not, you know, you got to defend yourself. You got to protect yourself. Like all, you know, all those, all those voices that happen inside our head, right. That's when we're in the demiurges territory. That's when like the, that, you know, the demon is like keeping us trapped or whatever is when we're buying into those kinds of stories. So I think that is beautiful. And then this other idea that I have just recently, I've been kind of cultivating this is because like, you know, you can't really choose what you like. You know, like if if you like a food or you don't like a food, that's not really up to you. It's not like you could be like, all right, I'm going to I'm going to like it. I'm going to like it. And I don't know if you would you agree with that statement, by the way, because I've been playing with this idea lately. That we can't like choose what we what we enjoy. Mm, mm. I'd have to think about it. I imagine that uh, there are things that uh, are acquired taste. Like I didn't like coffee when I first started drinking it. And then uh, I learned to like coffee. Same with like beer. Like, you know, beer, I was just like, why would anybody drink this? And, you know, now I, I love the taste of beer, like a you know, really good brewed. Uh, so there's a couple of little things that I, I have a question about within that, but I but keep going. I'd love to hear yeah. where you're. Well, and can I, and I would say in those situations, like what we like is the coffee buzz and what we like is the alcohol experience. And we come to associate those with the taste of the thing in the first place. And that might be how we like evolve. So anyway, the idea is that we like, we can't really choose our values we values are in us. They're like part of our DNA essentially. And then we can explore different ways of experiencing those values in the world. And we might evolve the ways that we come to experience our values um, and the ways that we come to understand even how we can experience our values, but we can't really choose what we value in the first place. That's just like, it comes hardwired. And so in a way, like values are an expression of our DNA. Okay. And so what, one thing I really love about, um, this like higher self version and what we're, this conversation that we're talking about is like, I do think it's very closely related to our core values and like what's most important to us in the world. And that what we're, what we're really talking about is how do we express ourselves in the world such that we make those values grow in the world that we see? Because that's what we're really like here to do. And anything that's like getting in the way of that, of like, growing up the things that are the most important to us in the world, that's when we're in that, that ego consciousness. That's when we're in that like demiurge or whatever and, uh, or in our like insecurity self. So that's just kind of one of the frameworks that I've been playing with lately for how to think about this and realize that like, you know, if, if you really like, let's say a product, for example, if you really believe in a product that you have and you are, and you like, you, you really know it could help the person that's in front of you. Anything that gets in the way of you telling them about that and helping them to understand that, that is standing out of values alignment with you. You're literally standing in your own way. And so this is like, that's another kind of clue, I think, about like, when are we making decisions from insecurity? When are we making decisions from our higher self? It's like, what's in alignment with our values? What grows, what what makes more of our values in the world? Yeah. How's that land? Yeah. I, I love that you're bringing uh, values into this because I think, that uh, values can be in some ways a way of uh, illuminating that higher self, right? It's almost like we can talk about higher self and that might be uh, very ethereal, nebulous. You know, what really is it? And what you're doing here with this values conversation is you're saying, hey, here's a couple of things that might occur as furniture in the room for the higher self so that you can kind of like throw a lasso around that and have a little bit more of a practical grounded way of, of, of orienting rather than this ethereal idea of like, what is a higher self? Yeah. I love, I love that. Yeah. 
Yeah, because because like nobody's going to list hate or fear as core values. That those aren't going to show up. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. I mean, even even uh, people that we might look at as kind of classically evil, right? Never think that they're the bad guy. Actually, right? There there's values that they are adhering to, but the means by which they're going to accomplish those values are the things that can occur as as evil. There's a way in which that uh, yeah the, these values that we uh, hold are the North Star and, um, you know, are, are not hate and fear. And yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, that's an interesting, people, even, the, even those people who are doing what we would call quote unquote evil, I think that what's happening is they are operating from the, these others, the, the strong ego. I, I think that that is literally like the part that like divides that wants us to be separate from each other, that convinces us that we're, that, you know, that you could take something from me fundamentally. It's like, that's, that's where like Hitler gets his start is like by speaking to people about the fear of like what other people could be taking away from you. And that's like how he gets energized. That's how he builds the movement and all that stuff. Right. 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 And are you saying then that you believe that Hitler's values though, were perhaps uh, these kind of higher order values that a lot of people would actually be able to relate to? But the, yeah, maybe but the, he's got these higher order values. I think values are universal. I don't think Hitler would have said hatred and fear, you know, but but he's operating from a place of hatred and fear when he's like he he's mistakenly thinking that the way that he's going to get those core values in the world is through a path of hatred and fear. And then that's where of dominance of dominance, control. Yeah. Anti-life. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah anti-life. And oh, that was, I'm so glad you said that. Cause that I think is another way of like looking at the, the distinction between higher self and ego. It's like, what is a philosophy of life and what is a philosophy of death? Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Killing versus creating. Yeah. You know, something that I'll throw in the mix that I think is a little bit of a paradox or maybe on the opposite side of the, the value conversation. So in, in what you just did there is you put some furniture in the room that I think is some beautiful pieces of a mosaic to be able to kind of orient towards yourself, yourself towards. And, you know, one of the things I was noticing from, from me, um, and this kind of goes back into the selfless component is uh, orienting to my higher self can oftentimes be a, a, a process of removing what's in the way versus actually adding something. So for instance, if there is a decision that is, in front of me that is bringing up a certain set of emotions and it feels like there is something on the line like you know marrying somebody or committing in uh, some type of uh, work project or partnering with somebody i get really curious about what aspect of me is speaking what part of me is coming to the table and you know there's th- these different protector parts of myself that might come on board some of them might be related to my ego um, i mean they're they're all in some ways related to to ego they're all some type of element of myself that has come online over the years, maybe there's an optimizer part or an executor part or a part of me that wants to be significant or, you know, a part of me that wants to uh, make sure that I'm executing and and staying safe. And the more aware I can get of the different parts of me that are speaking and, and what voice that belongs to, I can ask that part to take a step back and I can ask the next part to take a step back and I can create a clearing within myself to where I can, you know, according to what uh, Richard Schwartz talks about uh, in many of his books, the, the creator of internal family systems is this uh, operating from a self with a capital S, which in some ways is the removal of in, in the, the invitation to all these different aspects of self to take a step back, get out of the room. And for me to really just be with something and see it clearly. 
and, and then just notice what comes up. And it might not be logical, right? It might not be, it's like, oh, that this makes the logical, logical sense right now as a decision. It's more just like, there is a pull that there is something where this is inviting me into an area of growth that for some reason, my soul knows this is the direction that I need to go, even if it's scary, right? Mm. Like this yeah. is, this is actually going to expand me. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be challenging. It's going to push me to my edge. And that doesn't mean yeah. it's wrong. Somehow there's a way in which this may be the, my, my Dharmic path. Mm. And so, Love you know, it. and that I think exists outside of, of logic many times it exists outside of my analysis brain it's just a complete soul path that starts to emerge mm, i love that i love I, I love bringing a little bit of that um kind of esoteric feel to it too um it's really useful so let's uh, let's get practical let you want to um talk i'd love to hear what are you, you got any thoughts on how how do we tap into or how do we how do we exercise the skill of um awareness of our higher self versus you know ego or Totally, totally. So a couple of ones, I'll just throw a few out here that I do that I find are really helpful. And I'm going to put one out there that actually might uh, be counterintuitive. I love talking to other people about decisions, not, but here's a distinction, not so that they can give me an answer, but I, through me dialoguing with other people and hearing other people's opinions and then noticing who I'm being in the conversation and what I'm hearing that might trigger me or what I'm hearing, like just parsing through something with somebody else actually puts me deeper in touch with my own knowing. So talking to other people, it, not to be mistaken with outsourcing my authority to other people to tell me what to do in my life, but rather talking to other people as like trusted friends that are part of my committee, right? My, my committee of, of trusted advisors and remaining in an authority position over my own life, but taking an input, I, I tend to, through dialogue with other people, get more clear on the direction that I want to go. So that would be one way that I get more in touch with my intuition is that other people indirectly or directly sometimes help me at, get stuff out of the way so I can see things more clearly. Totally. Like you're the CEO, but you're, you're, you're tapping into the rest of the C-suite to, to see how they, how they think about the decision. You got it. You got it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, And then I think uh, another piece too, man, is uh, just getting really still and um, meditating and, you know, meditating, meaning sitting down, doing my best to clear my, clear my body, clear my brain, my, my field of any thought and just start to notice what arises. And then in that place, getting really curious about what's coming up and where it's coming up from, right? If there is a, something around relationship or business that, you know, is related to maybe, you know, some type of rupture that I had with a business partner in the past, you know, is that informing my decision right now to move forward with this new person that might be there? And how is it informing that? And how am I projecting? Just getting really curious as to like, where, where am I getting my information from? Right. Now we talked about this off camera, which was like, just really beginning to get curious about the fidelity of the information. Right. And, and is it, is it, is it coming from in an old pattern? What is it? What of it is wisdom of something that I can take forward uh, versus what, where am I actually projecting and not seeing what's in front of me clearly? And, and that does take time too. So it's like slowing down and, Again, and allowing like myself skill, to revisit right? those multiple times. Yeah. Yeah. Like we're strengthening this over time. Like, you know, don't, ex- you know, don't expect it to be a hundred percent, but you know, it's directional moving that direction. 
Yeah. Yeah. Love How about that. you? Uh, you mentioned talking to other people. I think also like tarot cards is something or like whatever your oracle of the day is. Like I, I like to use those not as like, again, not as like outsourcing my authority to other things in the world. But when you pull a card and you look at its meaning, you reflect and you connect. And like maybe that meaning has no bearings on what you're the decision right now, or maybe you ask yourself, how does this have bearing on what I'm trying to decide right now? And you use that as kind of like clues to tap into your intuition and kind of like almost as like a, um, you know, a, a metaphorical landscape for you to project onto and kind of use. So I, I really like things like that, the I Ching, like t- tarot cards, even just opening up a favorite book to a random page and reading something and then using that as a, as a lens for interpretation for yourself. Um, so I think those are really cool. Um, the pull versus the push. So there's like this exercise. Um, I learned this in like a Tantra um, event, but kind of cool idea. You uh, imagine right now that you like go into the fridge and there's like that Tupperware in the back of the fridge, you know, that one that's like been in there for oh, who knows how long. Right. And you like open that up and you just you get that whiff of just like, oh, like. So that is like a very clear no signal. Right. That is like a physiological body. No signal. Right. And now on the flip side, imagine like whatever your favorite food is. Like, you know, for me, I like love the smell of pho. That Vietnamese soup is like so delicious. And so like I imagine myself like smelling that and how I'm like, there's like a, there's like a feeling that happens in my body. And I, it's a, like for me, it's like a leaning forward. It's like almost like a, a head tilt. You know what I mean? And that is giving me an idea of what a, what a toward energy feels like in my body. Right. And so then I can kind of compare. I can I, I have like now some extremes. And so then that gives me an idea of how to, how to use those. And then the other one is to just like follow the big emotions. Like what, when I'm having a a major, like whatever it's good, bad, whatever, I don't care what the emotion is, but then asking myself, like, what is important to me about this emotion? What, so that's like a way to get to the root value. What is important to me about this? I'm afraid of something right now. What am I afraid of? What's important to me about this thing that I'm afraid of, right? What, what will I be missing or what am I worried will be missing? And so that that can kind of give me like, you know, a way to tap back into the higher self. That's nice, man. Nice. Related to that, uh, something that comes up for me is also just asking the question, you know, am I trying to control something right now or am I trying to let something go? Right. So, you know, I think oftentimes what we're grappling with when we're in the question of is this insecurity or isn't, is this intuition is we're we're grappling with our relationship with uncertainty. And so oftentimes my insecurity is going to be grasping for control, control over how people see me, control over some type of narrative of, of who I am, control over some variable that feels scary to me. And if I'm trying to control something, it's usually not my intuition. Uh, my intuition is usually going to have me continue to forge into the, the, the dark forest, you know, with a torch on an exploration versus trying to stay in the familiar yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah. That's, that's really beautiful. Uh, Cause I think that is fear. That's one of the major ways that fear operates in us is it's like this desire to control things so that we can like make sure that bad things don't happen in our world. So really nice dude. Really brilliant conversation today. Loved it. Just super meaningful stuff. Um, yeah. Look, I look forward to the next one. I always, I always grow as a person and as a coach every time I have one of these conversations with you. So thanks for taking the time and for all you listening out there, live your freedom, love your life. Take care. Thanks so much for listening to the Shift to Freedom podcast. If you want to get the most out of your time here, think about this. What's the one thing from this episode that resonated the most for you? Asking that simple question can help anchor in your insights and remember who you want to be. 
If there was even a single thought in today's episode that helps you to become even 1% more free, then we are thrilled. If so, would you do us a favor? We're on a mission to spread the message of freedom and we could use your help. See, the algorithms love it when we get reviews, shares, comments, and likes, and then that helps other people like you to find the podcast and just maybe change their lives. So if you like what we're doing and you want to generate some positive karma for the day, please write us a review wherever you get your podcast love. See you next week. And in the meantime, live your freedom and love your life.